Welcome to Theology for the People. This is Pastor Nick Cady, and I have a big announcement for you. I wrote a book, and that book is going to be coming out soon. This episode is about telling you what is the book about, what was the backstory behind it, how did it come about, and what is our hope and vision for what this book will accomplish. And so uh, for this discussion, I'm joined by Pastor Michael Payne, who's been on the show many times, as well as Kurt Fuller, who is a staff member with us here at Whitefields Community Church. He's also the editor of the book. And in this episode, I'm going to actually have Michael kind of play the role of facilitator. So he's going to kind of facilitate this discussion by asking questions to bring out, you know, the vision, the idea behind the book. And my hope is that you'll get excited about this and that this book will be used as a great resource to both help people who are struggling with real sincere doubts and questions about Christianity and the topics that are covered in this book, as well as a resource for those who maybe want to equip themselves for how to have those conversations with their family members, their friends, their co-workers. So here's the discussion. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be a great project, a great project, and I think it's just going to have a great effect uh, in the church and just, I think, a great tool uh, for church church members to start conversations with those people they want to reach with the gospel. And so the title of the book is going to be The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. And I think let's just start right there um, with, you know, how you came with that, came about getting that title. And then maybe we can go back a little bit into the history of the book and, you know, how did it become a book? <laughs> yeah, so the that version of the title, this final version yeah. that we landed on, I have to give credit to Connor Berry of Santa Maria, California. So, Connor, if you're listening, uh, kudos to you, man. We really appreciated your help in kind of finalizing the title because we did go back and forth on several different titles for a while. Kurt, you were a big part of that. You hated my original title. And <laughs> it you, was a little long, yeah. Yeah, and you were like, I am going to fight you on this. And I'm like, well, I, I can appreciate that. I can respect that. So, um, yeah, so the original idea came for this. I'll take you all the way back. I used to have this pair of running headphones that I no longer have. The other thing that I had was um, a different kind of running watch. And on that watch, I was able to actually download podcasts and then listen to them while I was running. So I was in this place, this was maybe 2018, when I was listening to a lot of podcasts while running, which I'm no longer doing. And maybe I need to go back to that. Maybe that was the key to my uh, creative juices. But I was listening to the Carrie Newhoff uh, leadership podcast, and he had a guest on there named Mark Clark. And Mark Clark is a pastor in Canada in British Columbia. And they were just discussing this idea of the importance of doing apologetics series for the benefit of your church. And um, I was like, you know what? I've always been you know, pretty well versed in some apologetic arguments. I do this radio program where I respond to people's questions, this is really apologetics, right? Defense of the faith, but also giving answers. It's more than just defending. I, I kind of don't really like the idea of just defending the faith. Rather, we want to be answering the questions that people are actually asking. So all I have to say, I thought, you know, this is a really good idea. And so I said, well, how can I find out what people in my church are secretly wondering about God 
And then at the same time, like, how can I find out what people who are not in our church, like, why are they not here? Where, where what are they worried about? Like, what are, what are the things they're actually thinking rather than just assuming, well, you know, these are the things that people think about. Um, well, rather than that, I'd rather hear from them. So I had, I have a blog and I had it at this time and I also had this radio show. So I thought, okay, I'll use these methods or whatever these means to ask a question, you know, how would you finish this sentence? And originally, the first time I did this, it was, um, the trouble with Christianity is, and how would you finish that sentence? And we got a lot of responses and we responded to some things. Uh, one of the messages I did on there that um, didn't make it into this book, but I thought it was a fascinating discussion, a little bit niche, but it was about the what's called the Christ myth, which is this idea that comes from um, a video that was oddly popular in the early days of YouTube and the internet. I don't know if you remember it, but it was this whole video. It's called Zeitgeist. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and it was that, a yeah. uh, it was a kind of a conspiracy theory, but the beginning of the conspiracy theory, which was the part that most people saw, because it was a really long video, and it frankly got worse as time go- went on. But the first part uh, had graphics and text and all this stuff, and it was basically saying, you know, that the whole story about Jesus was just made up and co opted from Egyptian mythology, yada yada yada. So. I took the opportunity to do a sermon series. That was one of the messages, but we also t- tackled some other difficult topics and it was very well received. And then the next year came around and it was so well received that first time that a lot of people said, you know what? Uh, we would love it if you did another series like that. And I said, okay, well, here's the chance for me. There were some topics actually I had shied away from in that original um, series because I actually thought that they were too hard. And so in the second round, I did another poll. By that time, my blog following had grown a bit. And so I got a lot more responses. And I got responses. I just asked people, it was a free, like one of these unrestricted Google forms that anybody with a link on the internet can fill out. And so I just said, hey, do me a favor, share this on all your social media platforms, share it with your friend who doesn't go to church, share it with anybody you know. And apparently people did because uh, I got a ton of responses and they were anonymous. I don't know. Is that when you changed the question? I changed the question. Yes. The question became fill, fill in the blank on this sentence. I could never believe in a God who, and that turned into a series of what was originally intended to be a seven week series, but based on the questions became a nine week series. And in that one, we dealt with the questions that personally I had even been a little bit nervous about dealing with which were questions regarding uh, homosexuality, questions regarding genocide in the Old Testament, which tends to actually be one of the big things that people have a struggle with. And the way we framed it is, our goal with this series is to help remove what we believe are some unnecessary barriers. Now, there are some necessary barriers, inherent barriers to the gospel, and yet there are some things which we would say, well, actually that just needs a little bit of explanation or correction from what you may assume. And if we can do that and remove some barriers, um, I think we're doing something good. So anyway, it was well-received. And then to make a long story short, over the course of the last two years, that series has been perennially our most popular series on our radio program. Uh, whenever it airs, we get tons of emails asking for copies, etc. Um, and then 
we started selling these pen drives, started handing out those pen drives that had all the recordings on them in our bookstore. And then just, uh, I'd say less than a year ago, a man in our church, he had asked me about um, a situation where he was struggling. His wife had passed away from COVID and he was asking me questions about suffering and about where is God in the midst of this? How can a good God allow these sorts of things to happen or not answer our prayers, et cetera? And I said, you know, take this pen drive, listen to it. I have messages on here that answer many of those questions and more. And he did, he listened to the whole thing and he came back and he said, you know, you should really turn this into a book. And I thought, that's a good idea. Why not? So then I came back to staff meeting. I mentioned it at staff meeting one time and Kurt, you had just started. (laughs) Yeah, I had. You started, I believe, September. Yeah. And it was around then when I brought, I said, ah, you know, I got this idea. I really need an editor. And you didn't say anything in staff meeting. did not. And he emailed me later and said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I quite said it like that. Yeah. You said, you know, you have a degree in English. Which is true. And you said, this is kind of, I'm good at this and I enjoy it. And so we started talking and, and it's turned into a good partnership. So that's where we're at today. So Kurt, like, uh, what's been your process with turning basically, you know, Nick's sermons on these particular topics into readable material? Yeah. Well, the first thing I had to come to grips with was, um, whether or not I wanted to do it in the first place, because it's it's obviously a lot of work, right? You take uh, something that's meant for a a very friendly Sunday morning audience, and now you're going to put it out in black and white for anybody in the world to, to go read, right? And so you have to uh, uh, figure out what things that you would say just don't really work when you when you get them down in black and white, um, and so. Uh, fortunately for me, Nick's notes are extremely comprehensive, so I didn't actually have to transcribe the serpents, which was great. Um, but as soon as I got into the material, I realized I don't care how much work this is. This book needs to be out there, right? And so that that's what really hooked me. I was a little tentative. Yeah, I didn't say anything in staff meeting. I kind of was like, uh, you know, I could probably do something, you know, if we made. Then I, but then I got the notes, and it's just. Uh, you know, it has taken a lot of work. It's taken us a lot of months, right? Because we've been working on it since at least like October, uh, yeah, November and I last mean, year. I think that we were both surprised actually, okay, to do this right and to do it well is going to take more work than maybe we initially thought. Right. And and I had a feeling that might be the case initially, but as soon as I started reading the material, I, I, I validated for myself what Nick had been claiming about that sermon series. It's like, no, this, this really is necessary. It's very powerful and it needs to be a book. Right. So, um, then it just begins the, uh, long process of, uh, going through and editing every single sentence in, in the book. And then, uh, uh, then you have to figure out what Amazon wants. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just where we at now. Yeah. No, getting it published is the hard part, but yeah, no, I think this is definitely worthwhile project. And I, you know, I just remember, you know, we'd take them out to these running events that we sponsor or things and, and pass them out. And it's just, I think it's a great way to, to break the ice with a lot of people. Like you give them something I cannot believe in, I would not believe or never believe in a God who this or whatever. And they, I think just the phrasing kind of is disarming in a sense, like you're already connecting 
with them, which is one one of the reasons I really like the title that you guys finally um, landed on, The God I Won't Believe In. I like the defiance in the title. I like the fact it kind of sums up the idea that of our society that God is created in their own image and how people, you know, they have an image of who God is and might not be a biblical image, but, and, and, you know, and then it also just facing nine common barriers to embracing Christianity. Like we're not going to back away from this. We're going to take a look at these and we're going to take a look at them in a, you know, in a comprehensive manner. And so let's just, you know, let's just uh, talk a little bit about that. Is like, what are some of the titles that, that you're going to be tackling in this, in this book? Yeah, so some of the titles are um, genocide. So the, a God I could never believe in or the God I won't believe in is a God who condoned genocide in the Old Testament. You know, we read about that. That's troubling for a lot of people. I mean, if that were to take place today, would we call that genocide? And, um, and we talk about that. What is it? What is it not? And what does it mean for us? Like, why, why does this actually matter? Uh, another one we talk about is a, a God who does not approve of some people's love. Or how do we put that a, one? A, a God who says some love is wrong. Yeah, who says some love is wrong. So that tackles not just the LGBTQ issue, but I mean, also many forms of right. heterosexual relationships that God says that are wrong, right? So isn't love love is the question. And so we tackle that from a biblical perspective. And our goal with this, by the way, is not just to give pat answers. I think that's maybe one of the strengths of the book is that we take the questions pretty seriously. Yeah, and I would jump in there and say that one of the things that drew me to the book is is Nick tends to start every chapter with some experience of someone who had this exact question, right? And so this isn't a book that's theoretical from that sense where it's just purely oh, well, this is what it says, so go believe it. It's like, no, here's some real people that you dealt with that were struggling with this very issue and kind of what you, what all of you learned through uh, what the person was going through, what the questions that it, it brought up, and then what does the Bible say about that and how do we have to wrestle through that? So it's, it's very much a book that's wrestling with these questions, um, and that, that just really appealed to me. Yeah, what are some of the other chapters then? Well, Kurt, man, you know what's interesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you've I, spent more time with this you, recently. You are, you are correct. I have spent a lot of time with these titles. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we, we tackle things like um, a, a God who hasn't proven his existence, right? So you, talk, you said, Mike, that people have, we live in this society where people create God in their own image. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like the book title we landed on. It's like the audacity and and even the arrogance in that the God I won't believe in. That kind of is, assumes that there is a God and I don't like him, so I'm not going to believe in him and, and that I am sufficient enough to do that. So, I mean, even in the title, you kind of get that. And so that's one of the first things, that's the first chapter, in fact, is a God who hasn't proven his existence. Um we tackle, and Nick mentioned a few, but the, the very last chapter in the book is a God who doesn't answer my prayers, you know? And, and so, and almost everything in between, there's like nine chapters. You had there. said at one point that these chapters break down into a couple categories. Yeah, they do. They do. And, and I, I didn't really fully flesh that part out, but they, the first part of the book really kind of deals with um, more global statements, like God not proving who he is, condoning like, 
global genocide. Um, you know, the, the big picture things that tend to distract us from the fact that God is actually a, a personal choice, right? It, 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 it's easy to reject somebody who's big and out there and doing terrible things to this, this whole thing. And then I don't have to face my own problems, right? Um, the middle of the book tends to shift more towards um, things that are uh, things that happen to us, right? Things we have to deal with. Um, and then the, the last part of the book is just very personal, right? How, how do we deal with the fact that tragedy happens? Like a, a God who allows good things to happen or bad things to happen to good people. Um, that has got to be one of the m- most prevalent questions out there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very personal because it, 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 you even said it last night in our, in our, in our uh, guitar class. It's like, it's easy to go, yeah, uh, we love it when God gives us stuff. And we're not so hip on when he takes it away, right? Um, In a way, I mean, you could say that that is the question that the Bible addresses. Mm-hmm. Why are why do bad things happen? And if God is loving, why do bad things happen to good people? And what is God doing about it? Right. I mean, that's the narrative of the Bible is about that. And one of the, I think, one of the sources of this book uh, that I've heard you talk about a lot is that is that. W- the the greatest amount of doubters are not people who lack empirical data, but it's it's a personal emotional decision. And it's interesting that really the only chapter is chapter one that kind of deals with a God who doesn't exist kind right. of thing or can't prove his existence. But then you've got all eight chapters that really deal in emotional uh, and in those kind of things as well. And that not that one of the, the sources of this? Yeah, for sure. And there is another chapter that is a little bit more empirical, and that is a Bible, a uh, God who uh, didn't give us a oh, trustworthy the, a, a Bible. a God who gave us a faulty Bible. A faulty Bible. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people say. You know, I, I'm not sure. How can I trust the Bible? If the Bible is our source of knowledge about God, and I can't even trust the Bible, then I'm like at sea without a rudder. So... To your question, though, you're absolutely right. And I found this to be a fascinating statistic, that there are more atheists among what we call the soft sciences, sociology, anthropology, etc., than there are amongst the hard sciences, like biology. People, who, Here's a, what's interesting. People who are actually studying physical systems and the universe and things like that, more than 50% of those people actually do believe in God, but it's people who are working in different fields. You know, here's what's I think really interesting about it. It's not just, you could say to those people, Hey, stay in your lane because how can you comment on the existence of God and the origin of the universe when you're an anthropologist or a sociologist or a psychologist? But here's what's interesting. Those people are working with human beings and So I don't want to discount them completely because they're working with human beings. And as a result of working with human beings, in a way you could say they've become cynical and jaded. And I think actually the Bible has a ton to say about that as well. Like if you just look at human beings, it would be easy to wonder if there really is a God. And yet, does God have something to say about that? Has God acted to do something about just this sickness that exists within humankind and in, in the human condition? And the answer is, of course, yes, he has. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. So as we kind of bring this home, um, 
who's this book for? Who who are the people that you're kind of focusing on as as this is the person I want to hand I want to put in? Really, and I I don't say this to sound odd. This is a book for everybody at a, at a different level. So, for example, if you're skeptical about Christianity, I would love for you to read this book and consider it. Right? Just consider what's said here. Here's why so many of us nowadays we live in an echo chamber, right? Where we you know, our social media feeds and our YouTube channels are all geared towards telling us more of the things that we've already consumed. And so if you are, let's say, skeptical about Christianity and you've only heard other people talk skeptically about Christianity, you might assume that there's no other, no other viewpoint. And, and I would like to come out and say, there are. And there's actually a lot of really smart people uh, who have wrestled with these things and come out on the side of faith in God and belief in the Bible. And here's why. And here's some things to consider as you wrestle through these questions. And we've tried really hard to do it in a, in a honest way, like to be, um, you know, not just pat answers, as you said, Kurt, not just like, well, here's what it is. So just get over it and believe it. That's actually part of why we chose the title. You know, mm -hmm. right. we, we said uh, we had thought about using the word hurdle. Right. And I had said, we can't use the word hurdle because what do you do with a hurdle? You get, get over, over it. it. <laughs> and I don't want to ever mm -hmm. imply to somebody that you need to just get over something. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say, let's wrestle through it. And I love the title, actually, because it, the subtitle, we said facing right. problems. Yeah, this is this is not a definitive statement like we have all the answers. Absolutely. Um, that's one of the things that I also loved about it is that you, we're just facing this head on. We're yeah. human beings like everybody else. And there are answers. They're not necessarily slam dunk it's all done that's it i'm I, you know I, i've got my answers for life now it's no you gotta wrestle through this stuff one of my friends um who i was asking for help with subtitles he had suggested traversing and i'm like mm -hmm. obviously this is not a person who skis <laughs> because uh traversing when you're skiing means you that you're not that skiing very well you're like <laughs> you're essentially like avoiding the what we call the pist which is the um the steep, sure. you're not going down the mountain as you're supposed to, you're going avoiding across. it. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I guess that's true for hiking. We've said as well that, um, with hiking, if you're traversing, you're not facing the mountain, you're going sideways. Mm -hmm. So, okay. You had asked, who is this book for? Okay. So first of all, it's for people who are skeptical about Christianity. On the other hand, it is also for, uh, people who are committed Christians who say, I want to know what are some answers to these questions that my friends and family members are asking, and I'm not exactly sure how to answer them. Mm -hmm. It is also for uh, parents and grandparents who have kids and grandkids, and they want to know, how can I be equipped, or how can I answer some of these questions that my kids are asking? Sometimes we view doubt like we demonize it, right? right. Where we say, um, doubt is bad, and so we just say, don't ask any questions. Well, we don't want to do that. We want to say, you're free to ask questions. And there really are answers. And finally, I would say it's for those young people too, who are, maybe they are Christians or they want to be Christians, right? Or they, they're open to being Christians. There's just a few things that they, they really wonder about. Yeah. yeah. I agree. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, and I think we live in society right now. I'm not sure. I can't remember when I heard this, but just I think a pastor was commenting on just that how much more they need to know about the scriptures and about these kind of topics than they needed to know 20 years ago because our our youth and our society they they are so much they're they're very biblically literate they're literate in that sense uh, in in a way but their questions are harder and more far-reaching and you can't just say well the bible says yeah we want to end there but sometimes the conversation doesn't start with the Bible says. The conversation starts with meeting their question head on and dealing with some of the important facts and, the, and, and dealing with some of the reasons why they came to that particular conclusion. Yeah. You know, Jude, the book of Jude, it says, have mercy on those who doubt, mm-hmm. right? So that should be our posture towards people who doubt. We don't demonize them, but neither neither do we, you know, turn doubt into like this this thing that we idolize. Right. Um, it's a station that we pass through. It's not a destination that we arrive at. And we also don't demonize. And, you know, I just love the way that Jesus was so merciful towards um towards his disciple who doubt Thomas Mm -hmm. doubting Thomas, right? He, Thomas wanted more evidence. Jesus didn't owe it to him, but yet Jesus gave it to him and helped him along the way. But he also challenged him. He said, Hey, everybody else, right? You saw because you believed, I'm sorry. You believed because you saw blessed are those who have not seen. And yet they believe. In other words, he's challenging them. And he actually says there, don't doubt anymore, but believe. And so this is what we want to do too. We want to say, hey, if you have doubts, we understand that. And you know what? We've all had doubts and we just want to come alongside, provide a resource. And I think the good thing about putting this in a book is that it's something that you can use later as a reference, you know, and you could pull it off the shelf. Oh, you know, I've got a book that talks about that topic. So you put it, pull it off the shelf. So I'd encourage people to pick this up as a resource. Right. Well, final question would be, where can people find this book? Kurt, let them have it. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, the uh, the ebook uh, is available for pre-order starting February sixth on Amazon, and uh, we expect the uh, both the ebook and the print version to be available March sixth again through Amazon. Cool. Yeah. And hopefully this will be picked up. I know it will be picked up by some uh, distribution companies as well as some bookstores. And so we'd love for church bookstores to carry this, Um, but definitely it will be available on Amazon and um, on ebook and in print version. And I would hazard a guess that we'll have a copy or two in the bookstore at Whitefields too. Yeah, we will for sure. For (laughs) sure. Well, thank you for tuning in to Theology for the People, and uh, I'm excited about this. Would you guys help us to spread the word both about this book and about this podcast by posting on social media, sharing with friends, and if you are benefiting from this podcast, we would love to hear from you. We always enjoy hearing from the audience, and so a couple ways you can do that. One of the best and most effective is for you to leave a rating on particularly the Apple Podcasts uh, app. 
And so if you go on there, leave a rating and a review, that really does the most to get this content in front of more people. Um, that's just how their algorithm works. So thanks for tuning in to Theology for the People. We'll have a new episode for you next week.